Well, we've been doing a series of lessons, series of messages dealing with God's will for our lives. I believe God does have a will for each individual, not just a general will for all. Although God does have a general will for all, the Bible tells us God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is God's will that no person spend any time in hell. That's God's will for all. Now, he has commissioned you and I, Christian, with the responsibility of sharing the gospel with all so that they can know the love of Jesus Christ, to know that because of our sin, we're separated from God, but God loved us enough that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary to save you and me. So, it is God's will for us as Christians to be faithful witnesses to others. I do appreciate almost every time Ronnie comes, he's talking about opportunities he's had to share the gospel with others. Folks, that's what it's all about. Speak what God has done in your life. How has he saved you? At what point did you come to the realization that you were a sinner deserving of hell and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he saved you? But then we're talking about the specific will of God, and we gave seven pointers to the will of God, and then we've been looking at illustrations throughout Scripture to see uh, application of these, taking a very specific thing, being the uh, relocation, people who followed God in relocating, people who did relocate it without following God's will, but it was just a topic that I chose to try to help illustrate this point. And so we were talking, uh, we talked several of these, looking at bad moves. Abram moving in Genesis chapter 12, when he moved down to Egypt, after God had told him, I'm going to place you here in Canaan, this is where I want you to be. He moves to Egypt because of a famine and lies about his wife while he's there, almost loses his wife, almost... Um, um, and in the process, gained Hagar when he came back. We talked also about Lot in chapter 13, who when Abram said, we need to part because the land is not big enough for both of us, instead of seeking godly counsel, instead of praying about God's will, instead of looking at where would be a great place to rear a family, he looks down in the plain where Sodom and Gomorrah are and says, that's a good place to raise cattle, and heads that direction, and we know the results of Lot's choice. We looked then at Joseph and said that obviously his brother sold him into slavery, uh, a decision based on monetary gain, but Joseph saw the hand of God, the sovereign hand of God in it all, and Joseph did not make the choice. However, his attitude remained a proper attitude the whole time, and God still blessed him. And many times the circumstances may be completely out of our control. These two young men here, right now, in this time in their life, where they go is completely out of their control. Uncle Sam tells them where they're going to go. But when Uncle Sam says, it's time to pack your trash and move, and that's about how they usually say it, right? Uh, they can know it's the will of God because right now, God uses the Marine Corps to tell them where they're supposed to be. Otherwise, there's this wonderful thing called court-martialing. Then we saw Moses in Exodus chapter 2, who made the rash decision to kill the Egyptian, 
thought nobody saw. And often we think we're making a choice that's going to affect nobody else or nobody sees, but we forget God sees all. And then the next day he realizes somebody did see him. Everybody knows about this. Pharaoh's seeking him, so he has to flee. Now let's go to Ruth chapter 1, please. Ruth chapter 1. And we actually did look at these two as well, but I'll just go ahead and cover it again. <coughs> Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Now it came to pass in the days when judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and his, of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, uh, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judea. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives, uh, the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them. And the women were left of her two sons and her husband. And so we see a man, Elimelech, whose name was God as king, make a decision to move to Moab because of a famine, leaves Bethlehem, which name means the house of bread. And he ended up dying, and his two sons ended up dying there. But we saw that God had provided in Bethlehem. Then we looked at David in 2 Samuel chapter 11, who was supposed to go to battle, but stayed home and lingered behind. And what ended up happening? He ends up committing adultery with Bathsheba. All right, so those were kind of reviews. So let's move on now to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13, and I want us to examine now a man who started out well, but he didn't stay on course. Because remember, again, the pointers to the will of God, the first one is Scripture, right? Okay, well, this man had a direct revelation from God, but he ended up off course anyhow. And let's go to 1 Kings chapter 13. It says, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethlehem, uh, Bethel, rather. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar to, uh, in, in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, behold, a child shall be born in the house of David, Josiah by name. And upon thee shall he offer the priest and the high priest to burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar should be rent, and the ashes that are upon it should be poured out. And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which cried against the altar in Bethel, he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not pull it again to him. And the altar was rent, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king answered and said to the man of God, Entreat now the, the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored again to him, and became as it was before. And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me, and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread and drink water in this place. For so was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way which he came to Bethel. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, and the words which he had spoken unto king, they were told also to their father. 
And their father said to them, What way went he? For his sons had, been, uh, had seen what way the man of God went when he came from Judah. And he said to his son, Saddle me, they asked. And he saddled me, asked, and he rode there on. He went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then said he to them, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go with thee, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. So he went back with him and did eat, bread, uh, did eat bread in his house and drank water. And it came to pass as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and brought him back. And he cried in the man of God that came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord and hast not kept his commandment, which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back and hast eaten and drunk water in this place, of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread nor drink no water, thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy, uh, shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers, and came to pass after the eaten bread and drunk that he saddled for him the ass to wit for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him, and his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. Now, this seems like a rather odd and harsh story in the Word of God, but this man of God had the Word of God come to him. Now think of this. The Word of God came to him and said, I want you to go, I want you to talk to the king, and I want you to come back, but I don't want you to stop and eat, I don't want you to stop and drink, I don't want you to be invited to anybody's house, I want you to carry out this mission and come back. That's pretty clear, right? So the man of God starts out doing exactly what he's supposed to. But as he's coming back, this prophet... By the way, just because somebody says they're a preacher or a prophet or whatever, you better make sure that they're following God and not one of the false prophets or false teachers of this world, comes to him and says, well, I'm a prophet and an angel told me. Oh, okay. You know, though we are an angel from heaven, give any other gospel, let him be accursed. If God said so, God's word stands, right? You and I have the complete Word of God. If it still denies or changes or, or defies the Word of God, the answer is still no. But the man of God said, okay, I'll believe you, Mr. Prophet. He doesn't pray about it. He doesn't confer with God and say, is this really true? Have you changed what you said? Now think about that. Is God changing? No, he's an unchanging God. But okay, this guy who I don't know who he is, but he claims to be a good guy, tells me that God changed his mind, so I'm going to follow him, and he ends up losing his life as a result of it. Now, that should drive home how important it is that you and I not just start in the will of God, but continue in the will of God. As I'm going... I need to ensure, am I still following what God told me to do? And let me give you a principle to learn from this. 
Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. Or what God has made clear to you, don't doubt it unless God confirms, or don't change it unless God confirms it's changed, right? Okay, when you get orders, you carry out those orders, right? What changes those orders? A new set of orders, right? Will change and cancel the previous orders. But until you receive in hand a new set of orders, you stay and you do exactly what you're told by the last order, right? Okay, why would God's army be any different? If he was told directly by God, this is how I want you to do it. So, if you had the orders from Commandant Marine Corps, or whoever signs it off, but let's just say we'll go with the Commandant, says these are your orders, okay, and you have a Staff Sergeant come and say, ah, I want it changed. Okay, in your case, you probably will follow your Staff Sergeant, but it may not be the greatest idea, but you get the idea of... You go with, if you know it's in direct contradiction to what the other order is, you're like, yeah, I don't think so, right? Follow what I'm saying? Of course, in the military, you always go with last order given, and then you always use the excuse, he told me so. But you get the point of, if God gave an order and an angel supposedly changed it, I think I'll go with what God said. All right? Let's look at some other moves. And these are people who followed and did exactly what God wanted to. So let's go back to Genesis 12 again. Genesis chapter 12. And we'll look at Abraham another time. And this is actually before the time we just looked at. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and the land which I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I bless them to bless thee, and curse them to curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went and came uh, went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land, the place of Shechem, which the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. You know, while we see the one, the one time, a couple times when Abram does the wrong thing, for the most time when God said to Abram, It's time to move, what do we find Abram doing? Getting up and moving. As a matter of fact, do we not even find later in Genesis, after he has the promised son, and his son is probably about 16 years old now, and God comes to Abraham and says, I need you to take your son, your only son Isaac, up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him unto me. Do we find Abraham arguing or questioning God or trying to figure this out? No. What do we find Abraham doing? Obeying God. Why? Because God said so, so this must be the will of God. Now, is this not the very son through whom he has promised to become the father of many nations? Yes. How is that going to happen? The book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham received Isaac as from the dead because in Abraham's mind, he had already committed the uh, sacrifice. He had already killed his son. But aren't you glad God stopped him at the last second? And said, Abraham, I know that you trust God. 
and provided the ram caught in a thicket, provided a substitute for Isaac. You see, Abraham is a great example of a man who when God said so, Abraham says, yes, Lord, and did so. And that's how it should be, and you and I are seeking the will of God. When you and I understand through Scripture, through prayer, through circumstances, through multitude of counselors, through the peace in our heart, through godly reasoning, and through our desires that God is leading in this direction, then you and I should obey without hesitation. We'll look at one more example. I think I've given many now, so let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now we turn to this passage frequently in December, but you do realize this passage still exists the rest of the year. Matthew chapter 2. If you go back to verse 11, you have the wise men coming, presenting treasures of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then we come down to verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, and was exceeding wroth, sent forth, and slew all the children there in Bethlehem, and all the coast thereof, and two years old and yonder, according to time which the diligently acquired of the wise men. So Joseph is told by God, I need you to take Mary and baby Jesus and move to Egypt. Now, that's very clear instructions, right? What if Joseph had said, look, I already had to move from Nazareth, now we're living in Bethlehem, and I'm getting tired of these moves, and he stands there and argues with God. Well, the Bible tells us very next thing, that when Herod realized that the wise men were not coming back to tell him, he goes, fine, I'll take the information the wise men tell me, and I'm going to kill every male child two years and under in the entire region. I'll make sure I get them. If he had not moved, he would have jeopardized Christ. Now, I want you to think about that. Now, I understand it would have not happened because he is God. Okay, but I want you to think of the ramifications of what would have happened if Joseph had disobeyed. You follow what I'm trying to get at? All right, now, is Joseph a rich man? He's a carpenter by trade, right? Anybody know extremely wealthy carpenters? Usually not the most wealthy people in the world, are they? They're hardworking men, make a decent living, but usually not extremely wealthy. Now he has to take his family. He's already moved from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because of this tax situation. Okay, apparently he's in a house there in that region still because... Probably too hard to move mama and baby all the way back up there. So he's waiting, you know, till the time to be able to move back. Okay. So God's timing and God's setting up the circumstances are never by accident. How is this man going to pay for yet another move? Understand, just like travel is expensive today, so it was then. Okay. You didn't just travel free, right? I mean, because when you're traveling, you're not making money and you got to pay still for lodging, and you got to pay for food, and you got to pay for everything, just like we do today, right? Okay, how did he get the money? What did God just provide? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Do you think that would have given him enough money to make this trip to Egypt? 
You say, oh, how dare he use those gifts? Look, I believe that God was provision for exactly what was about ready to happen. Do you follow what I'm saying? You see, God's going to provide when God knows if God's will is to be followed, he's going to provide for what he's called you to do. Do you believe that? And so God provides, God tells him, and I'm thankful Joseph says, yes, Lord, and packs up Mary, packs up the baby, and moves to Egypt. And stays there now in a foreign country, with a foreign language, with a foreign custom, with a vile people, because understand, Egyptians are not God-serving people. They have a polygamy of many gods and a, a very loose lascivious lifestyle, okay? But he stays there because that's where God told him to until God says, okay, Herod's dead. Now it's time to move back. And then he finally goes all the way back home up to Nazareth. You see, God blessed each time somebody truly followed the will of God. And there were consequences every time somebody disobeyed the will of God. And that's what I really want to drive home. Every time somebody followed the will of God, it came a blessing. Every time somebody disobeyed the will of God, it came with consequences. Now, if that is throughout all of Scripture, why are you and I any different? We're not. This is why, Christian, it's important that every day and every decision we make, we are asking and seeking the will of God to ensure that we're doing this according to His will, because I want the blessing of God on my life not the chastisement of God in my life, don't you? I've done enough foolish things in my life to last for two, three lifetimes. I don't need more consequences for stupidity. I'm just being flat out honest with you folks. I want the blessing of God on my life. So, Lord willing, next week, as we kind of wrap this whole thing together, I have a message basically asking, are you going to fear are you going to fleece or are you going to follow the will of God? I hope we make the choice to follow.